I'm here with John Jolly. Savage. <laughs> okay, so John and I went to Indiana University together, and now you're living in Washington D.C. You're like so politically charged, angry, angry. so angry, <laughs> and but you're using, you're like doing a billion things. Okay, first of all, I didn't know that you were that you were going to do all these crazy creative things after, when we were in college. I didn't either at okay. all. Yeah, and I actually, I always talk about how I was like a social sciences major and wanted to become like a psychologist or like I was like a camp counselor for a while and I wanted to, you know, go into something in that path. And I stumbled upon writing senior year and got my first piece actually published somewhere and I was like, this is what I want to do. Oh. Um, and so I don't, I don't think I even discovered how much I loved writing or how much I loved like the creative field until much after college. Wow, that's crazy. So we, what did you study? We were like friends, but we weren't tight. You were cooler than me. No, don't, don't, don't do yeah, that. No, that's true. <laughs> that's you can okay. you cut it off. This is, you're the most popular person. No, um, no, no. <laughs> so I, I mean, I loved, well, and I, I think these two things go together. So I studied sociology uh, and a little bit of psychology too. And the part of that I really enjoyed was looking at different perspectives and, you know, approaching things from ways that I don't normally think about society. And it turns out that that has really influenced why I like writing so much and especially why I like comedy so much too. It's because when I'm writing a joke or when I'm writing a piece, I'm constantly thinking about what are all the angles of this? What's not just how I feel, but potentially what's it like the angle that someone else is feeling and how can I bring that in? And so in hindsight, and I didn't know it at the time, um, but I think what I really liked about the classes that I took at Indiana when we were in school together was just how it pushed me to think critically and dig deeper and that's how I got into things later on like journalism writing comedy okay so you got a piece published right out of college what was it about and where was it published or you were so still in college I was still in college it was uh, no it's not that embarrassing <laughs> so it was, it was for college humor uh and I think it was it was I can't remember the exact title but it was something about like how to like basically being like a douche and playing acoustic guitar in different environments like at bonfires and bringing it to college and I don't exactly know what it was about but I'm sure looking back, it would not be funny if I read it now. And I'd right. be like, why did I ever do this? Well, because it led you down this path. And we were just talking about that, how like you never know what you're going to stumble upon unless you just do it. I don't know. Do you want to talk about like this book thing that just happened? Or yeah, not? well, sure. Yeah, I, I definitely can. So yeah, Dolly and I were talking a little bit uh, offline <laughs> and uh, kind of just sharing some rejections that we've had because as everyone who is in a creative field, whether that's writing, whether that's designing, whether that's acting, I mean, wh whatever it is, rejection is as much a part of it as success to be truthful. And so we were kind of just talking about the, the things that no one really sees going on behind the scenes. You know, a lot of the times you just share your success, but people don't really know about the failures. So I was sharing my experience. I tried to write a book and, you know, spent months and hours and a lot, you know, skipping, hanging out with friends and, you know, no one really picked it up after I was 
pitching it to people. So it's one of those things where we're, we're talking about like innately as a creative, you might experience this kind of rejection, but you just move on and you want to keep creating. So you move on to the next thing. So I was talking about how that book might have not worked, but maybe I'll be able to turn it into something else. I actually did turn that into a stand up show kind of. So there you uh, go. You just so, kind of repurpose it and keep exactly. going. Exactly. Right. If something doesn't stick, that doesn't mean that it's over. That's just part of the journey. Yeah. And it, and it also doesn't mean that it's bad necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of the times we think if we put something in front of someone and they don't necessarily gravitate toward it or it doesn't affect or influence them, we think that it's like bad. We're so quickly to label it. But you see it all the time that things get rejected or things don't work out and then you bring it to another audience and it's like it blows up. Um, so I think it depends who you're delivering that message to. I think there's a, there's a lot of things you have to take into account and you shouldn't just quickly be like, oh, I'm a failure and I suck. No, definitely. And we're saying too, like not creating is not an option. Right. You got to keep doing it. And I could not live my life without creating yeah, something. Absolutely. That's how you become successful. You just keep doing it. You keep doing it. You keep messing up. You keep hitting walls. But exactly. somewhere so walls. it's going to stick. <laughs> keep yeah, walls. Exactly. Yeah. So I know that you're... You love Twitter. I don't know if you love it, but you're big on Twitter. I have so many mixed feelings about Twitter, as I'm sure you do, too. I really do appreciate Twitter for a couple reasons. It's like, And a lot of comedians and other people will say this, but it's a great place to try out material. But beyond that, I really have appreciated the connections, like the genuine connections I've made from it. There are some friends that I have today that, I mean, we literally met on Twitter uh, and decided to, you know, turn that online friendship into a real life friendship, which I think is pretty cool. Something that couldn't have happened pre Twitter. PT. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There, there really was like a whole other world before Twitter. Oh my like, God, totally. I mean, before social media, I can't yeah. believe anyone was able to get anything done. Yeah, so that's like, that's like the mixed feelings I have. So um, I, I think it's really cool that you can, in real time, basically connect with someone on the other side of the world or someone that you look up to and admire Uh, You can share work. I mean, it's great for sharing work. But at the same time, yeah, it's like it's addicting. It's a time suck. There's so much negative energy. And I mean, and rightfully so, too. So with with, especially in D.C., like we're constantly exposed to the things going on in the news. And so I don't know if social media is necessarily the cause as much as it's just amplifying what's already there. So without social media, there could be the same thoughts. It's just that you can't share it with anyone. I definitely have found myself more before bed, like, okay, don't not looking at the phone or trying to limit myself or like even caring about getting likes or retweets. I'm like, John, that's, that's stupid. Stop doing it. So what do you do? What would you say your job is? Yeah. Do you, are you like I'm a professional boy? Twitter? Yeah, no, it's- <laughs> All I do is sit on Twitter. <laughs> really at this point, I just call myself a writer in like the broad sense. I do a lot of comedy, write scripts. I do stand up. I do a lot of copywriting. So I have some other clients in various fields. Like I write websites for restaurants mm-hmm. and, they're an NBA basketball player. I did his website, whatever National Kidney Foundation, like the most random things. It's kind of all over. And so I haven't really been able to necessarily pinpoint exactly like, what is it that I do? Like, what do I do? Well, I just write, whether it's comedy, whether it's just quick jokes, whether it's long form pieces. Obviously, I do a lot of freelance writing for outlets and publications. Mm -hmm. So 
there's more serious stuff too. And so I don't want to necessarily just limit myself to, oh, he only does comedy. Oh, he only does, <laughs> he's only on social media. Like I, I wanted to make sure that if I'm feeling funny and I think using humor is the best way to deliver a message, I want to be able to do that. If I want to be more serious and address some other issues, I want to be able to do that. If I want to work with nonprofits and help them build their identity and everything, I want to be able to do that. So I, I kind of had a conscious decision to be like, I'm a writer, so if I can help you in any way, then I'm the person to do that. Now that you live in DC, you're from Minnesota, right? Correct. Midwest. Midwest. Minneapolis. That's so... Do you I, have any Minneapolis followers, listeners? I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. Just the coastal uh, followers. I, I love Minnesota. I'm the biggest advocate for Minnesota. Everyone should visit. It's so nice. I think people have their like predetermined thoughts about what the Midwest is, and especially like Minnesota, and it's just so great, and everyone should go. Yeah, and let me know. And let me know if you go. Reach like, out. I, yeah, reach out, because I want, <laughs> I want the state of Minnesota to like know that I'm advocating for them, and that if if there's some spike in tourism or like something it's I want, to yeah, you. I want them to like. I want like Senator Klobuchar to like say my name and be like, "Thank oh, wait, you." Is that who it is? Yeah, Amy Klobuchar. She's, she's the, the one who's just on for. Coming yeah, up. so yeah, well, so she's great. Like, I'm I'm happy that people. That was a I feel like defining moment when people were like, "Wow, like Senator Klobuchar can fucking get after that." Like, uh-huh. um, but she she's been great forever, um, and I've really appreciated and, and been lucky to have her as a senator that heated exchange I remember being on because during those hearings or testimony I know um, everyone was on social media yeah I don't know what it was was, I hated every second (laughs) but everyone was on social media so you could kind of see as things played out everyone like tweeting about something and yeah I remember when uh, he like asked Senator Klobuchar if she's she like blacked was, out or, yeah. or, or something. She was like, was would like, you, have you, this guy. I know. He said like, yeah, have you ever I wouldn't even out? ask my mom that. Like, And what? he said it back to her. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, but anyway, so yeah, pro Minnesota, go visit. Lots of good dairy products, lots <laughs> of lakes. It's great. Is Minnetonka in Minnesota? Yeah. That's okay, isn't that rated right best place to raise a family? I think you're right. I honestly think you're right. I yeah. remember hearing that in college because yeah. there were a lot of Midwest people and, and I was like, talk about was well, I'm like, what the hell is going on in Minnesota but apparently it's like the best place to raise a family yeah it's I mean great I I might I love the east coast so I lived in Minnesota I went to school in Indiana and then I, one day I was just like I'm gonna move to the east coast <laughs> like literally that's how it happened I was sitting in a parking lot and I in my car and I called my parents and I was like how would you feel about me moving to DC hypothetically and obviously my mom started just crying right away did she, <laughs> I don't know she no I don't know, but she was pretty sad so do you like it yeah I love it East okay so I never I never was able to take the train mm-hmm. I didn't know that like trains or the Amtrak were still existed. like existing yeah existence. I thought it was just something out of like movies like old, <laughs> like black old black and white movies I was like this is hmm train interesting concept and then I came here it's so cool i love taking the train trains are everywhere over on these coast. that's hilarious like, do like a loop i don't even want to get off anywhere i just want to take, <laughs> like, ride the train for my vacation i think it's so cool that's really funny yeah i guess i never thought about it trains have just been part of my life yeah. but um you're so, so lucky but oh my god okay so now that you're living in dc it was right you just had you like ever been to dc i mean everyone takes the like, fourth grade trip i yeah. feel like but besides that no not really the reason why did I, you decide yeah good question it's because i was scared of taking the subway in new york was like ultimately the decision so the next best thing was dc it was like dc yeah 
yeah. Was, no, I, I love DC. I'm, I think it's amazing. Yeah. Maybe why DC over Boston. I do like Boston, but so I, I thought DC was such a great place to be able to kind of write with purpose, especially during this time. So when I moved to DC, it was in the last like two and a half years. It was such a good place for writing with purpose and what better place to make a change or at least have these conversations every day than in DC. I think DC sometimes gets a bad rep, but the people that I've met there have all been great. They're all smarter than me. They're all amazing. Surround yourself with smart people. Totally. Uh, But but I've learned so much. If you're not making a difference, you can at least feel like you are like arming yourself with the resources and the Mm -hmm. and the knowledge to know what's going on, so you can educate others. Totally. I felt that because every time I go to LA, I'm like, oh my god, everybody works in entertainment, Mm -hmm. and then every time I go to DC, I'm like oh my god, everyone's in politics, whether that's like being an editor at Politico or like working on some campaign, like everybody's doing something that touches politics, which is very cool. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And then especially when you bring in the comedy aspect, I mean, political, I've always been into political comedy, but especially in the last, I mean, really since Trump got elected, I hate saying his name. One of the podcasts that I listen to, they call him Ivanka's dad. They never say Trump. That's They're hilarious. just like Ivanka's dad. <laughs> I just want to say Tiffany's dad. Yeah, there, that's even better. <laughs> yeah. So political comedy in the last like two years, it's almost felt like necessary to me. So as like therapy. Yeah, it's like therapy and also just to, like unmask how dumb and absurd things have been. And yeah, like sometimes when I'm writing jokes, I'm like trying to understand really what's going on. Or is this real life? And it's it's crazy, but I think it's a it's a really interesting time to be doing that, and a really hard time to try to be funny. It feels like am I doing the wrong thing yeah, by making a joke and making light out of this really tragic situation? Exactly, and I think I think that's like a really good point that a lot of people are struggling with. I mean, in one sense, you have to laugh at things. Like I believe that you can't go through life not laughing. That's why I want to do comedy. To that point, I also think it's important that I've been like trying to check myself lately on this. Sometimes it's not your joke to be making, like mm-hmm. especially with everything that's been going on with like women's rights and like beyond that too. But sometimes it's like, yeah, maybe a joke is good here, but like, am I the person that should be making that? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a whole different story that people should really think about. And I've been trying to think about that too. So being in DC has obviously influenced your comedy, mm-hmm. your writing even probably the way that you now think yeah do you see yes i'm running for president right <laughs> that's your question no. i'm announcing right now have you been able to tell that your mind has changed the way that you think has changed since living in dc yeah well my mind has changed since like social media my i think twitter has rewired my brain in a bad way <laughs> i think i have and I don't know if it's just DC it might just be more of a result of like the times that we're in Um, but you're very close to it and I'm sure that just having that proximity definitely influences you and it it, in a way that you may not even know yeah for for, yeah that's a good point it might be kind of like a subconscious thing too mm -hmm. I mean when I go to work or I go to a coffee shop to write or something I mean you pass protests Mm -hmm. like so I this is I guess a good example I never have protested until I went to DC Mm -hmm. since I was in DC 
DC, there's like, oh, you wake up and there's a protest. And it's like, that's a very easy way to show your support and get involved and just like have, like take up space. And so it's hard when you're going anywhere, when you're going on a date, when you're going to hang out with friends, watch a game, like you pass by these things happening. And so how can it not be in your mind type of thing? And I, I mean, I hope that, you know, I talked to my friends back home in Minnesota too. And, and, and I think they are having these same kind of conversations. Maybe it's not as prevalent as living somewhere like DC, but I think this is still in people's minds. I mean, my mom who lives in Minnesota texts me every single day. She texted me the other day and she was like, please fix the patriarchy. <laughs> I think it's a shared, I, obviously, like you said, DC probably helps me be more aware of it, but I think it is a nationwide as you probably feel too. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. So you were raised liberal, clearly. It's like, <laughs> is, it, well, is it that obvious? Well, no, yeah. you're saying your mom's like involved talking well, to you about those things too. Yeah. So I'm wondering if DC has made you more liberal or has just like maybe even empowered you to kind of check in with that side of yourself. Yeah. Well, my parents were very good about, I didn't know which way they leaned mm -hmm. ever like growing up they were they were never trying to push their ideals uh, or values from a political standpoint like that my first time i voted they wouldn't tell me who to vote for they would just tell me to like research and look into things like they never were like you have to do this or this is what we do in this family but i love my parents and they had like great values and instilled great values in me and my siblings so at a certain point i kind of connected those with the political viewpoint and put those two things together and i was like yeah they're definitely liberal but i think i mean i think i'm a pretty progressive person and dc has probably pushed me to be even more so because again i'm talking to people with different perspectives and viewpoints and having these conversations so back to the twitter thing what's your most viral tweet it was so dumb it was like a headline from the washington post and it was like spiders are good for the environment and like you shouldn't kill them i think that's what the headline said and then i quoted it with like did a spider write this or something <laughs> um, that's what blew yeah, up. Yeah, that's what blew up. And then I saw, like, I think people have done that kind of joke before anyway. So it wasn't even, like, it original. turned out it wasn't even, like, original or that clever. It was, like, just something I did, like, in three seconds. Like, oh, this would be funny. And I put my phone down, and it got, like, half a million retweets and everything. Oh, it was, like, my God. I was getting texts from, like, friends that it was on Instagram, and they were seeing it all over the place. I muted it. I turned my phone off. I was, like, this is absurd. And it sucks. Everyone will tell you, like, and I think this, like, especially women, too, like, going viral sucks because it, you just get a bunch of random trolls and, and people in your mentions just like being assholes. It's crazy because I just tweeted after the Kavanaugh hearings yeah. a photo of the women sitting behind him and you know they all had these right. horrible expressions right. on their face and I got 8,000 retweets on it. Damn, totally. 3,000 retweets. Retweet I know. No, 8,000 <laughs> likes and 3,000 yeah. retweets and I was like, oh my god, I think I just accidentally went viral. But same, had to mute Twitter. It sucks. And I had some crazy trolls. It's horrible. I mean, it's insane. Do you respond insane. to them? No, Do you respond to I haters? laugh at them. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh my God, you're so dumb. It's crazy. But I can see how, like, I'm fortunate. I don't think I get the brute end of trolls on uh -huh. Twitter it's definitely as much as some people do but there are some days where I'm like I'm gonna respond to you like I'm gonna I'm feeling away I'm feeling some type of mood but, yeah, but just, mostly I don't mostly yeah I don't. don't even go down that road it's yeah. just nothing good is gonna come of yeah. it yeah so that tweet and the story about my dumb viral tweet I think that also brings up something about social media too which is like I guess 
in general, quality doesn't necessarily equal talent. Or, I mean, you can have, like, dumb stuff go viral that, like, mine turned out not to even be, like, an original thought. I, like, hate that so much. Like, the accounts that steal jokes or like post like that especially in like comedy writing like that is absolute no-no so like i hate that and if i sometimes if i see like i did a tweet and it was like parallel thinking and someone else did it better before me like i i sometimes just delete mine mm -hmm. and like retweet theirs mm -hmm. but it just shows that you know you can have a lot of followers and that doesn't necessarily mean you're the most talented or the most skilled it depends like how you define success but i know people who are you know not even on social media and just doing stand-up at local clubs and they're like the funniest people ever like they could easily post their own late night show you know whatever it's I hard mean, dolly, out here dolly you you could just host your own late night show well thank you very much Obviously. and i'm waiting for my big break yeah, so is... if anyone is out there listening and needs someone yeah. to heart like I'm, I'm available she's ready this is my endorsement but but no but seriously there there's so many you look at some people and it's like it's just hard to say how people got to certain points like if they had better financial situation but i think that goes back to what we were saying before about how it's like like you just can't give up because yeah. it's hard. It is hard. And there's so much noise and so much clutter. And the only way that you're going to prevail is to just keep doing what you're doing and yeah. be proud of your work and just put it out for the world to see. You got to stand by your work. Yeah. yeah. As long as you can put something out and, and be proud of it and whether people see it or not. I mean, the way I started writing besides a couple pieces was just like a blog that mm -hmm. literally only my parents were reading. Yeah. I, I wasn't writing for anyone to see it or wasn't thinking that it was going to get, get picked up or become big. I was just writing because I wanted to write. And that helped me stay committed to a habit of writing every day. Mm -hmm. I have a question for you, Dolly. Please. What kind of stuff are you doing to like differentiate yourself and like cut through that noise that we talk about? Because that's, that's something that I like every day I wake up and I'm like, how am I going to you know get this job, this opportunity? It's tough. There's it's so many people doing this it is that's a really hard question i think that that's something that i'm trying to figure out and with me i'm like oh who am i to talk about x y and z and i'm like all right i'm like this jewish girl from new york you know i'm a white girl and i'm like there's so many other people like that like why me right but I just think that one thing that I have, and I haven't been able to crack that at all, like that question. It's like a that code. Yeah, totally. It's like, a riddle. Yeah, I haven't been able to crack that, but that's why I do things like this. You know, just putting it out into the world. I have my web series, just putting it out into the world and seeing kind of what sticks and what resonates with me and what I find compelling or interesting or what people respond well to. But like one thing that I think that I have is just like, I'm really good at just like being social. Mm -hmm. I really love to just talk to people and get to know people. And that I think is going to, at some point, I hope will pay off. And so I don't know what it is, whether it's like in a networking sense or if it's like, right, I interview the right person who knows the right other person. And like, it's just, you have to like trust the system that it will work out. Trust if, the process. Yeah. That it, that it will work out. But I don't know. I don't have the answer and I don't know what I'm doing. It's just trial and error. And it's like, you know, you throw spaghetti against the wall. Yeah. What's going to stick? I think that's a good point that like, if you want to be happy and do this, it's like not doing it to become famous mm -hmm. or to whatever. You just do it because you love it. It's, yeah, you love it. And it like gives you purpose and makes you feel fulfilled. If you can turn it into a career, like that's awesome. That's the main that's goal, the, obviously. Right, yeah. that's the dream. Um, but regardless, like, we're still going to be doing this stuff. 
Um, I think another important point you made was what can I bring to the table and what am I like allowed to talk about? Mm -hmm. And I think, I think part of the noise problem is that you have a lot of people saying BS and talking about things when really they should be stepping aside and letting someone else who's like a more, uh, who's like a subject matter expert or someone who has experiences, like they should be telling these stories. So I talk about that all the time and it kind of goes back to like, is this my joke to be making? Sometimes the best jokes or writing is the one that you don't do, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like if I want to do a piece, but I know so-and-so can do it better and is like, should be doing that. Like I won't, I won't do that. And I hope other people also follow that same kind of uh, path. Let the right people make the right jokes and do the right work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I... Especially men is what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I saw a uh, study that like some percentage of men in their own papers, like quote themselves or like link to their own work, you know? instead of linking to like third party or other sources, they were like some percentage, like more likely than women to do that. I believe it. Yeah. I'm it's just like not fucking dumb. So like <laughs> that, so it just goes back to like social media and obviously I have to work on this a lot too, but it's just like being aware and being like, am I the right person to tell this story or is there, is this story someone else's? I like that. And I like want to end on that note because I think that's a really good message is right. With you tell your story. Exactly. Because you can't tell somebody else's. Amen. Yeah. All right. So where can we see more from John Sabat? Uh, you can see more on my website, johnsabatwrites.com. Johnsabat.com was already taken. Still that there. That is the who worst. Is, I don't even know if there's, like, who is another John Sabat? Um, so johnsabatwrites.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter at SabatJ. And definitely tweet at me if you go to Minnesota. <laughs> That's right. And I recently on Instagram, and I hate it, but obviously I'm addicted, so still follow me there. I think it's, like, <laughs> the same thing or something. I don't know. <laughs> Amazing. John, thank you so much for telling me that you were in New York. I'm so happy I got to see you. Absolutely. Oh, you know what we've even mentioned? Remember we made a piece together. Oh, yeah. So that's like how this like kind of started. I was yeah. like, Dolly's really cool and good at stuff. <laughs> and I want to do work with her. So, yeah, you wrote a piece about the Women's March and I made a video. Well, I think, yeah, I think it started off as a collaboration, though, from the start. I think yeah. we were like, because I was contributing to HuffPost at the time. And we were like, wouldn't it be cool if I wrote something and then you did a video, video that it. supports it and kind of like went together. So that's, that's somewhere out there. If, People want to look it up, and it was totally. Great. It's on my website. It's, it's, on, my it's on the internet. It's on the internet. So go find it. On the internet yeah, and it's great. Okay, I love it. Well, more to come from yes. you and I. Absolutely, we're gonna keep doing it. All right, thank you so much. Thank you, Dahlia.